we've designed this Tuesday night Bible study to be a template and to be a model of other Tuesday night Bible studies that come in our region. In other words, when these eight weeks are finished, when we've made our eventually soon and whenever the Lord says so transition, I'd like to duplicate that Bible study back here in the university area. I'd like to do one in Cabarrus County. I'd like to do one in different parts of our region. I won't be the one doing those Tuesday night Bible studies. Many of you all will. And um, God's been speaking to my heart about establishing and lengthening the cord and establishing the states and all those good things. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, these 19, 20 elders that we have lined up on communion Sunday night, we're we about to put y'all out, all right? <laughs> we're about to put y'all out. We're going to send y'all all over the place, all right? And now, now, now the, the, the agreement is this. First of all, there's going to be a non-compete agreement. I'm going to tell you that right now, okay? There's going to be a 50-mile rated non-compete agreement. But, you know, if you, if you can be faithful on Tuesday nights, all I ask is that you come to church on Thursdays and you show up on Sundays, and I'll give you the freedom to go out and let God use you to build. And let's see what happens as people are faithful over the little. Let's see what the Lord will do, all right? Now, you can't sign up to teach the Bible study if you can't be over a small group. If you can't be faithful over four in a small group, I know you're not going to be faithful over 40 in a Bible study. Nobody's saying amen over here. I want to ask that tonight you all be in special prayer of, of, of just our family members. This week alone, there's been so many family members of UCC uh, who've been hospitalized and some emergencies are taking place here and there. And I just ask that as you all are praying at home and consecrating and fasting on Thursdays, that just make sure we lift up our parents and our siblings and those perhaps, whether they live in Charlotte or not, let's keep standing in the gap and praying for them and ministering to them. All right, let's go to Isaiah tonight, chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46 on tonight. One more time, Isaiah chapter 46. My wife is traveling tonight back from Virginia. She wanted me to make sure that all of you all knew she's looking forward to seeing all of the married women. There's a married women's fellowship this coming Saturday, from what I understand. And uh, it's going to be a great, great fellowship again. All, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wives who win, thank you, sir. Wives who win this coming Saturday, 11 a.m. at Bravo's Italian Restaurant, North Lake Mall. I think it's not too late. There might be someone in the foyer who can get you some more information. And uh, again, this coming Saturday, don't forget about that. It's going to be a great time, and the Lord bless you all, all right? Isaiah 46 on tonight. I don't want to talk about the word of the Lord on tonight. Isaiah 46, one of my favorite verse of Scripture in the Old Testament. If you're here tonight, and I see a couple of people who don't have Bibles, just raise your hand. Let one of our ushers put a Bible in your hand. If you do not have a Bible tonight, please raise your hand. I want everyone to have the word of God in your hand on Thursday nights because we're in a teaching environment. I encourage you to bring your notepad, bring your, your uh, journal, and make sure you take good notes on tonight. Once again, Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 9. If you've got to say amen tonight, amen. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm going to get something out of the word tonight. I believe I'm going to receive something from the word of God on tonight, all right? Here's what the Bible says, Isaiah 46 and verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. I want you to underline that right there. Declaring the end from the beginning. One more time, if you would, if you got an underline pen or a highlighter, that's a very, very intricate verse on tonight. Declaring, all right, the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, listen to that, saying that my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Once again, Isaiah the prophet sees this. He hears this. He says, God said that I will declare how the things should look in the end 
from the very beginning. Okay? Notice the word of the Lord. I will declare how the outcome will be even before the beginning starts. And isn't that like God? Because only God can do that. Why? Because only God lives outside of time. All right? God is the only entity being that is not governed by time. Before time ever had a self-realization of who time was, God was already existing. So God says, I will show you what the end product will look like before you get a trash pad out and draw on the napkin. Okay? So he declares the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the Bible says, uh, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all of my pleasure. Tonight, I want to continue on in the series, Big God, Big Vision. Once again, Big God, all right, Big Vision. What are you saying tonight? Uh, because we serve a big God, you do agree that we serve a big God. Is that right? Uh, I believe you ought to have a big vision. You should have a big vision. And, and so tonight, we continue this series. And tonight, I want to talk about the, the voice of vision, the voice of vision. Again, the voice of vision. It, it didn't quite sound um, practical, but I believe that which normally we equate to seeing has a voice. The vision carries a voice. I want you to write that down tonight. The vision carries a voice. All right? One more time. The vision carries. I don't know if I've ever been as excited about teaching a series of teaching in the last several years because I, I wanted my personal life my ministry life, my family life, to be on a public display and an example. This is not one of those do as I say, but I want you to do as I do. And right now, I am on a, let, let me tell you right now, I am on the front page of Exampleship 101. I'm walking by faith. <laughs> I'm trying to see the end from the beginning. I'm trying to look at those things that I can't see because the things I can't see ain't encouraging, but nevertheless, the just shall live by faith. Is that right? All right. Now, you're going to find out again tonight, as we did last th Thursday night, faith and vision are really synonymous. You really can't have one without the other. All right? Faith and vision are synonymous. They're really the same almost because you really can't have faith without having a vision, and you really can't cast a vision without having faith. We'll, we'll talk about that in a few moments. But I said last Thursday night, I want to say it again, that every man, every woman of God in the room tonight, you ought to have a vision. You should have a, I, I know it seems elementary. It might seem beneath your educational status. Maybe you've been around the block two, maybe three, four times and shaking everybody's hand. But let me underscore the fact tonight that you need a vision for your home. You need a vision for your family. You need a vision for your future. Every man, every woman. And, 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 and that vision needs to be something that is written down. I don't want it to be a figment of your imagination only when times feel good. Because not every day you're going to feel good. Not every day is going to be a day of, of celebration and victory. What happens when you go through those see-nothing days? No one has been through any see-nothing days. I'm the only one that's gone through the brook runs dry seasons of my life. What do you do when it seems as if the Holy Spirit ain't speaking no more? All right? Uh, anybody ever been laid off? Anybody ever been laid off? Anybody? ever had to deal with, you know, you know, you know, just some, 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 some turbulent times and, you know, rent or mortgage or foreclosure, repossessions or uh, uh, credit issues or, I mean, marriage, family, divorce, separation. I mean, we, I mean, hey, if you live in this lifetime, there's going to be some seasons. My question tonight is what do you do? 
when the, if the vision's not written down? How do you remember what the Lord spoke? And so the vision carries a voice. I'll say that one more time. The vision carries a voice. And so, again, I said last week, I'll say it again. One common denominator that every highly successful man or woman, I believe, has, they understood the value of vision. They knew. Now, and that's not a Christian thing only. But I believe some of our top CEOs and CFOs and executive directors and entrepreneurs, they all had one thing in common. You know, all week long as I th go throughout the city and I'm in different establishments, the bank or store or, or grocery store, I'm now looking for business statements. Everywhere I go, I'm looking for business statements. Because without the vision, the people perish. Without a vision, people wander aimlessly in the wilderness. Your school has a vision statement. Your classroom has a vision statement. Believe it or not, your organization, nonprofit or for-profit, should have some type of missions or purpose or vision statement. If not, you won't be hired but for so long. You know why? Because you're going you're gonna to get some crayons and, and, and color outside the margins. And it won't be but an amount of time for, for you're, out of, you're, you're out of bounds. So vision is highly important. Last week we talked about the value of vision. Tonight just a little bit about the voice of vision. And the next Thursday night the Lord say the same. We'll talk about the victory of vision. Now, how many of y'all remember last week's, uh, something from last week's message? You know, we talked about, in fact, who did, we, who, who did we focus on last week? What biblical character did we focus on last week? Anybody? Habakkuk. Come on, y'all, talk. Habakkuk. Y'all remember Habakkuk chapter 2, write the vision, make a plan, all that? Okay, good. Uh, we looked at Habakkuk. Tonight, I'm going to make it Isaiah. All right? Before this series is over, we'll look at Abraham and Moses, Joshua and Caleb on Sundays. Um, we'll look at Rahab. We might even look at the woman at the well in John chapter 4, maybe even Nehemiah if, if, if time permits. But tonight, I want to look at Isaiah. Because Isaiah, if anyone has a claim to the, to, the, to the voice of vision, it would have been Isaiah. Uh, before we go to Isaiah, let's just backtrack just for a moment, and let's remember Habakkuk. In fact, why don't you turn real, you know what, tell you what, take your time, don't even turn it. Let me just read it for you, all right? Habakkuk 2, verse 1. I will stand my watch, and, my station, and I will station myself on the ramparts, and I will look to see what he will say to me, and what he will answer when I give him or to this complaint. Then the Lord said, write down the vision, or write down the revelation. And make it plain on the tablet so that the herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. Or the vision waits an appointed time. It will speak of the end and it will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait on it. It will so certainly come and it will not be delayed. Now I'm reading that out of a, uh, uh, out of a different version obviously. Uh, in fact, let me read it one more time. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. I will climb up on my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There, I will wait to see what the Lord will say and how he will answer my complaint. Now, everyone say complaint. Come on, I want you to say that word complaint. Very important word. We'll jump back to that in a moment. And then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly. Write the vision plainly. All right, so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end. There it is again. Now, we heard that in Isaiah 46, did we not? 
It describes how the end will look. Now, let's just stop and let's be really elementary tonight. If you don't have a vision today, how will you know what success looks like tomorrow? If you don't have a snapshot, a picture now, how will you know when you've gotten to the promised land or you've gotten to the finish line? We already see that in Isaiah 46. We see it in Habakkuk 2. For the vision shall describe how the end will look. All right? Let's keep moving. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Now, real quick, we talked last week about Habakkuk. There were two, in fact, there were three very interesting thoughts concerning Habakkuk last week. Number one, if you remember, chapter 1, verse 1, Habakkuk starts with a burden. Habakkuk starts with a burden. Why is that significant? He has a complaint. We found out last week that if you're going to have the value of vision, you'll have to be dissatisfied with the status quo. Habakkuk has a problem with what he's seeing. In fact, if you read Habakkuk chapter 1, carry over into chapter 2, you'll find out that Habakkuk is pretty teed off. I mean, Habakkuk is fed up. And you know what? He's fed up with God. He doesn't understand how it seems as evil people keep prospering and saved folk keep going through. Uh, anybody ever had to make that statement before? He doesn't understand how long can these evil folk keep going, get, getting away with what they're getting away with. But here I is, Habakkuk saying, trying to live right and do right, but it seems like I can't catch a break. Habakkuk says, you know what? Your word is not even worth the paper it's written on. I mean, go back and read chapter 1. He's pretty indignant here. He says the law is powerless. He says, God, you're, 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 you're not just. You're not, fi- you're not fair. You're not kind. And so God says, let me deal with this complaint. Let me deal with this burden. So number one again, if you're going to have a great vision, maybe that great vision lies somewhere with the burden you right now have. I said last Sunday, excuse me, I said last Thursday, I'll say it again. Oftentimes, your ministry is, ha- is holding hands with your misery. Oh, boy. Oftentimes, your misery is a platform for your ministry. Okay? So Habakkuk has a burden. That's what we know about Habakkuk. He's unsatisfied with the status quo. I believe that some of the greatest entrepreneurs and some of the greatest multimillionaires and people who are well off were people who were unsatisfied with the status quo. There's a quote I've been carrying for the last few weeks. I hadn't quoted it yet. I think I'll quote it right now. Some people look and ask why, and others look and ask why not. Some people look at a problem and ask why, and some people look at that same problem and ask why not. You want to talk about being a multimillionaire or being an entrepreneur and having all your needs met, all your debts paid off, and living the lifestyle under God that you want to live? Hey, be unsatisfied with the status quo. Habakkuk had a burden, and whatever it was he, would, he didn't like, and he wanted to make something of it. Here's secondly what we find out about Habakkuk. We find out that burden precedes vision. Burden precedes vision. Pastor Stevens, I'm here tonight, and I'm having a hard time finding my vision. Well, where's your burden at? What do you have a burden for? Well, I have a burden to minister to teenage pregnant girls and make sure they have an opportunity to have life after a tragic, tragic situation. Well, that version, excuse me, that burden very well could be an area of your vision. Well, I have a heart for fatherless young African-American men, our boys, and, and I really feel that I can make a difference in their lives. It breaks my heart every time I see the news or see a Twitter strand or this or that happening to our young boys. Well, that burden very well could be 
an area for vision. Here's the third thing we learned real quick. Uh, uh, vision, particularly in the book of Habakkuk, had nothing to do with money, had nothing to do with possessions, had nothing to do with prosperity. Can I go ahead and get the monkey off your back? Vision is more valuable than you having a nice car, a nice condo, having plenty of money in the bank. All those things, I believe, are byproducts of vision. I really believe that those things will come if you understand that vision is a picture of the future, of what can be and what must be. Again, vision is a picture of the future, of what can be and what must be. Are you with me still tonight? Last Thursday night, we began a three-principle series. In other words, as we look at, I hope I'm not preaching over your heads tonight. Everybody with me tonight. I just got to slow it down to make sure we're all on the same page tonight. Where there is no vision, people died. Marriages die. Single parenting trying to take care of their children die. Businesses die. Dreams of finishing a degree in school die. Engaged couples, hopes for a great marriage die. Upward mobility, going up the corporate ladder, paying down your debt, raising healthy kids. Where there is no vision, all of those things will eventually shrivel up and die. But you tell your neighbor, neighbor, we need a vision. We need vision. We need vision. I love the babies that cry. Let them cry. We need vision. I know what it's like to minister, to maneuver, to operate without a vision. Years ago, God spoke to my heart. My son is here in the back, and he'll tell you that every January we sit down as a family at our table, and we talk vision. We write it out. We take hand notes. When we're finished, I go in my office, I print it out. I put it in the inside of our uh, cabinet where the cereal boxes and the Pop-Tart boxes are. You know why? Because it's going to be seen every day. Right there to the Beanie Weenies, <laughs> the taco shells, Gatorade bottles, and the like. You cannot open our food pantry without seeing that vision statement sitting right there. I want you to see it. I don't want to put it in the file cabinet. I don't want to put it on the screen saver in the sleep mode and it goes off, vision goes off. Every single day, I want you to see the vision. Something that seems so elementary can make a profound difference in your life. If you learn to be obedient, if you learn to humble yourself and get a vision. It's not so much in the prowess of my teaching, but it's in the spirit of obedience between you and the Lord. And woe to the husband in the room who says, I'm too big to write this stuff down. Don't need all that. Okay. God may want to prove a couple of points to you. See, when you believe in the word, you're going to be established. But if you take the word, combine it with the spirit of the leader or the prophet, the Bible says you can prosper. And there's something about just, oh, hearing, forget me. Think, hey, look, forget my personality. You may not even like me, and that's fine. But if, if, if I carry the word of the Lord, now you are accountable between not me and you, but between you and God. Vision is very, very important. Last Thursday night, we started with three thoughts about vision. I gave you the first one. Tonight, I want to give you number two, number three, and I'll close. Last week, we said a vision speaks divine revelation of God's expectation. 
think you remember that. We'll, we'll carry that in one moment. Number two, a vision speaks direct responsibilities for God's expectations. I changed that up a little bit this week. Number three, a vision speaks determine, determined results of God's expectations. All right? Let's back up and let's start. In fact, why don't I do this real quick? I'm going to take an extra moment to do this. Let's talk about, let's talk about Isaiah tonight. Now, we, we talked about Habakkuk last week. Is that right? But let's look at Isaiah tonight. What do we know about Isaiah? All right? What do we know about the prophet Isaiah? Here's what we know. Number one, uh, he's considered one of the greatest prophets in all of the Old Testament. In fact, his name, or he is mentioned some 50 different times in the New Testament. Here's something very interesting. I didn't even know this about Isaiah, but check this out. Isaiah started off as a really popular prophet, as most of them do. But towards the end of his life and end of his career, he became very unpopular. I'll tell you why. His main ministry was to call the nation of Israel back to God's salvation. His main ministry was to call a nation back to God and God's salvation. Some even argue that his main ministry also was to present hope for a very tough time. To present hope for a very tough time. Now remember now, he started off really, really popular. He started off really, really likable. But one thing distinguishing different about Isaiah than all the other prophets was toward the end of his reign as a prophet, he stopped being Mr. Popular and he started being resented because he had a very strong message. You know, I thought about those who want to be pastors. You know, every entity understands there's a curiosity crowd or a curiosity curve. You start a new business, whether it be a restaurant, uh, a beauty shop, a barbershop, or whatever business you get. If you do marketing, advertisement, have decent, there's going to be a curiosity curve. Everybody wants something new. But if you don't sustain your business beyond that curve, if you don't sustain the church beyond that curve, all right, you're going to be in trouble. I, I, I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. Lost my shirt in the process. And so oftentimes, let's be careful when everybody's singing your praises as the new leader. Be careful when everybody's uh, giving you wonderful accolades and wonderful compliments as the new so-and-so and so-and-so. Because it's a popular thing in the beginning. But if you ever have to go to the Word of God, no matter how loving, how courteous, how hospitality-driven, how kind, how sweet, you ain't going to be as popular as you was in the beginning. In fact, people say that Isaiah's main ministry was simply this, to repent, to return, and to be renewed. What a message. Repent, return, and to be renewed. And that, in a nutshell, was the ministry of Isaiah. Isaiah saw some things as it relates to the voice of vision. And here's what I want to get to tonight. Pastor Stevens, how do, how can I hear the voice of God through vision? That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I've had all week long to think about this message. And I want to make sure that there's a very strong, biblically sound theology. Because when you start talking about vision and dreams and all of the sometimes intangible, uh, intangible, non-substantive stuff of ministry, we can get real spooky. We can get real, really, really, really uh, spiritual. But I want to make sure you can go to the Word of God. In fact, in Isaiah tonight, and understand that your vision will always carry a voice. We gave you three or four thoughts about Habakkuk last week. Let me give you a thought about Isaiah and vision this week. 
Thought number one, vision and voice go hand in hand. All right? What you hear in the word of God and what you see in a vision will often go hand in hand. I cannot tell you how many times throughout the book of Isaiah, you hear Isaiah. In fact, let me show you. Let me prove it to you. Go to chapter 1. Let me, let me prove this. I want, to, I want you to see chapter 1. Go to Isaiah chapter 1. This is a very good example of what I'm saying. Oftentimes, again, there's an intertwining. There's a weaving of seeing and hearing or reading and hearing. In other words, there's, there's, there's a parallel that, that, that is combined between what you see and what you hear. Let me give you an example. Look at Isaiah. Let's start in the very beginning. Look at chapter 1 and verse 1. Again tonight, we're looking at Isaiah, the voice of vision. The Bible says Isaiah 1 and 1, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw. We can just stop right there. He saw something. He saw the vision. You know what? Go to verse 2. Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. For the Lord has spoken. Let's stop right there. There seems to be a very unique parallel between hearing and seeing. Now, we've been talking about a picture for the last several weeks, all right? We say that a vision is a picture. But could it be tonight that that picture is often formed not by what you see, but by what you hear? Write down at Hebrews 11 and 6. I want to teach tonight. Hebrews 11 and 6. Write down Hebrews 11 and 6. Okay? Um, and I'll ask that question again. Could it be tonight that if a vision is a picture, if a vision is a snapshot of the future, of what can be and what must be, remember now, we've already given you Isaiah 46. It shows you what the end's going to look like. We back it up in Habakkuk chapter 2. The Bible says that the vision shall show you what the end looks like. See, where I'm at right now, I saw this 20 years ago. There are Sundays here at, in this building. There are oftentimes Sundays in this building. I can't see the back uh, faces of the people in the back of the church. I can see the heads. I can see the silhouettes. But I cannot see their faces. The Lord showed me that 20 years ago. That I'd be pastoring in a ministry where I could not see the people in the back of the facility. Okay? This picture of a sanctuary that I see in my head right now that will come to pass it's something that I saw 19 years ago. This region, are you with me? This region, this prayerfully transitional move, is something that I've got written in books 10 years ago. They're written in books. They're written in the back pages where, it's, where, it's, where, it's, where, it's, you know, where notes are taken. And I got busy and went on to all type of other achievements and feats for the kingdom. But now... I'm going back and looking at a lot of these notes and saying, wow, God, you were speaking even years ago. Because the vision shows you what the end product should look like. And I wish we could die and live in the vision forever, but that ain't how it works. He gives you that snapshot, puts you back into reality, and he starts you back at square one. So you have a vision for a business, and in your business you see 20 employees. In your business, you see $3 million a year in annual revenue. In your business, you see multiple storefronts and locations. And that's the vision. So God shows you that vision for a reason. Because if you don't see it in the beginning, how will you ever know you've arrived? 
And boy, wouldn't it be nice if he left us in that vision? We could click our heels and, and wave a baton and say, kumbaya in the name of Jesus, and we're there forever. It don't happen like that. You know what he does? He brings you right back to a piece of paper with a pen, and he, had, and he tells you, get to writing. I'm taking my time tonight. I have to. I have to. So could it be tonight that the vision that you see can often come by what you hear? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the word of God. I'm trying to make this as practical as I can tonight. I don't want to make this complicated. I'm trying to make it practical. Watch this. When I read the Bible, Mother Crawford, God is speaking vision. Faith coming by hearing. See, the Lord never showed me, I, I, I never saw the vision of being a broke pastor. I never saw that in the vision. I never saw myself preaching to two and three people uh, after 20 years of ministry. When I was in college, we'd go and visit and hang out with other churches and ministries and all that other stuff. And I never forget going, and I forget. I was with a, a, a buddy, we, it was called NGM, New Generation Campus Ministries, and we went and visited a disciple way out in the woods somewhere, and he was at his father's Bible study. His father was a pastor, and I never forget, we drove, we drove and drove, we went to the Bible study, and we got out the car, and we walked into the church, and that pastor was just a preaching his heart out, and he'd been pastoring 20, 30 years, and there wasn't no more than three folk in that church. And that's before I pastored. That's before I really acknowledged the call of God on my life to be a minister. That day, my heart was broken. Because I said, God, I don't ever want to do that. Now, don't get me wrong. We'll start. And the Bible says, though, your beginning is small. Your end shall be greater. But after 20 years, I don't know if your end should be smaller than the beginning. See, only in the church do we accept that. We don't accept that in no other area of society but the church. And we just want to kind of close our eyes and make it real spiritual. Are you with me still? He never showed me in the vision of being a compromising pastor. I never saw that in a vision. But what he did show me, I'm seeing it right now. And you know what? It ain't over with yet. I still see some old things. So you have to ask yourself the question, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're entrepreneur, whether you're a school teacher, whether you're, you're young or old, whatever it is that God is showing you, what does the vision look like? And how, what do you hear that helps form that vision, I'm willing really, to time, I need, to, I need to move on. So, so if you remember this Sunday, remember Sunday we said the vision really has to be spiritual. It has to be something spiritual. It has to be from God. If you're going to hear from God, if you're going to have a great vision, if you're going to see in the future and see what God wants to do, may it be spiritual. This is why Bible study is so important. I can't help read the Bible and not have a big vision. When I say that God shall supply all my needs, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Great is he that is me and he's in the world. Lead not to your own understanding. And all that with acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. I mean, I can't help but have big vision when I read the word of God. When I'm in prayer, when I close my eyes and I shut the door and I cut the cell phone off and I cut the iPad off and cut the laptop down and I'm in prayer. I can't help but see big things in prayer because we serve a big God. I don't know if God's ever showed you something small and insignificant in prayer. So could it be for the third time that the vision is often framed not by what you see, but by what you're hearing? 
Let me prove it to you. Go to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. In fact, I got one, two, three. Let me give you three or four verses of Scripture, and I'll, and I'll be very sensitive to the, the time we have remaining. Isaiah 6. A uh, very familiar verse, by the way. You all know this uh, passage of Scripture, but let me read it just in case. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. All right? All right? In the year that King Uzziah died, what does Isaiah say? He what? He what? He what? He saw the Lord. He was sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. His robe filled the temple. All right. Uh, and, and you know the rest of the story. The seraphims and the cherubim, they were crying to the holy, holy, holy Lord, God Almighty. All that's real good, okay? Look at verse 8. I also heard the voice of the Lord. You can stop right there. Now, why is this important tonight? Because Isaiah acknowledges his calling. If you go and read all of verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, send me. Here I am, send me. What are you saying tonight? Isaiah saw in verse 1, but he heard in verse 8. What, is, what it was that he heard became his ultimate calling. You know Isaiah struggled with his age. He struggled with his insecurities. He wasn't quite sure what he, if he was coming or going. But he saw something, and seeing something led to a voice. This is why I keep saying a vision has a voice. Don't ever underestimate one at the expense of another. I believe they both go hand in hand. If I can see something that the Lord wants to show me, can I at least open my ears and hear him speak? Every time I read the word, he opens his mouth. Every time I pray, I believe that by the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, he'll speak to my heart. And there's got to be some things he speaks in my prayer closet that I cannot hear anywhere else in society. I don't want to confuse us. I, I started to preach on the three voices tonight. I, don't, I, I won't have time, but uh, the Lord's voice, the devil's voice, and my voice, all right? I, I won't have time to deal with that tonight, but I don't have time to convolute and confuse the devil's voice and the Lord's voice, all right? Oh, let's bind the devil. We're going to get the devil out of it. Okay, what about the Lord's voice and your flesh's voice? <laughs> because, you know, your flesh's voice can be just as worse as the devil's voice if you ain't careful. But one thing's for sure, when I'm in prayer, when I'm in the holies of holies, when I'm in the presence of God, my flesh ain't talking. The devil ain't talking. The Lord is speaking. You don't believe me? Go back and ask Isaiah. I was in the spirit on the Lord. That was John the Revelator. In fact, Isaiah 6 said it had to take the death of somebody's flesh for Isaiah to see the Lord. Isaiah 6 and 3. It wasn't until Uzziah. You know anything about Uzziah? He was a flesh-spanking, walking king. But it took the death of Uzziah to get out of the way. And what happens next? Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. Isaiah would have never seen the Lord as long as Uzziah's flesh was in the way. So we need to get our flesh out of the way. Turn some plates over. I won't talk about fasting tonight, but uh, uh, I pray you're fasting with the church. We don't fast a lot as a church, but every little once in a while, uh, put the hot dog down, all right? Every once in a while, put the slurpy down. Every once in a while, I know the lollipop is calling your name, and the tootsie roll is calling your name, and everybody wants to invite you out to lunch on this one day. You got two for the price of one offer, but put the turret plate over and get the flesh out of the way. Shut up, flesh. That's the Holy Ghost right there. Hallelujah. I know I'm in the Lord now. Mm. Seem like church call it fast. Half the church don't come to church. Then when to come and complain, we don't never fast. Yes, we do. You just ain't here. So he saw something in verse 1, but he heard something in verse 8. The voice, or better yet, 
what you see and what you hear and off they go hand in hand in the formulating of vision. My encouragement to you is this. Get in the presence of God. Hear his voice speak when you read the Bible. When you sit quietly before the Holy Spirit. Write the vision down. Let him show you something. Stay in Isaiah. Let's go to chapter 30 real quick. And I'm almost finished. In fact, this will be my last verse tonight. I think. Yeah, no, I got to. I got to close. I got to close. There's so much I want to share with you all tonight. Let me give you one more verse, all right, and then we'll close. Isaiah chapter 30. Go to chapter 30, and then I want you to look at verse. Everybody okay tonight? All right, Isaiah 30. Look at verse 21. Look at verse 20. Go to verse 20. Isaiah 30, verse 20. And through, excuse me, and though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity, and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore. But your eyes, come on, say my eyes. Come on, say my eyes. But your eyes shall see your teachers. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And wherever you turn to the right hand or wherever you turn to the left. There again is the combination between what you see and what you hear. Your eyes will see the instructors, the teachers, the mentors, the principal, the word, the facts. Your eyes will see those things that have formulated who you are. But your ear will hear the voice of confirmation. Anybody ever been at a crossroad not sure what to do? Isaiah said if you get a vision, it'll speak to you. It'll speak in your ear, and it will tell you this is the direction you should go. Walk in it. No, uh, 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 that is the direction you should go. Walk in it. You know what? We're so fast, we're loose and free and fancy. We ain't got no time to hear the voice of the Lord. We get in relationships that God has not called us to get into. We end up buying stuff that we can't afford. We end up going places we ought not be going. We end up having things that we can't do. And yet, we want to blame God the whole time. God said, listen, if you'll slow down and get a vision, I will not only show you, but I will speak in your ear on what direction, what way, you should go. I could keep going on all night long. You can just stay right here in the book of Isaiah. Remember now, Habakkuk had the burden. Habakkuk had uh, 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 the, the, the unsatisfied with the status quo. He was uncomfortable with being comfortable. But Isaiah, on the other hand, man, he's putting this parallel thing together and saying, you know what? If you'll slow your roll, if you quit being so busy trying to make the extra dollar, if you'll shut it down, get into the presence of God, hear his voice, see something in the heavenlies, it will save you a lifetime of worry. Oftentimes, we're spinning our wheels, kicking up a whole lot of dust, making a whole lot of noise, really all because we failed to get the vision from day one. Again tonight, the voice of vision will speak to you. If you'll allow it, if you'll allow it, vision has a voice, and it'll speak the direction that you ought to go. In fact, it will give you divine revelation, direct responsibilities, and the vision will give you a determined result. A determined result. I believe with all my heart tonight, the one thing we all have in common in this room, we want to see results. It starts with the vision. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Let's stand to our feet. It starts with the vision. I have so much more I want to share with you. I have so much more I want to share with you. Perhaps on Sunday we'll go a little bit deeper and 
We're going to stay in the book of Numbers 13 on Sunday. All right. I guess my objective and my goal is that everyone comfortably can say I have a vision statement in my home. I have a vision for my marriage, my children. Pastor, I want to thank you. I give God the praise, actually, because I got a vision for my business now. No more wandering aimlessly in the wilderness. No more just throwing up, like throwing jello against the wall, see if it's going to stick or not. No more trial and error. You don't have to experiment with God. You don't have to experiment with him. Just get a word. Get a vision. Hold fast. And you have to understand, again, just like in the days of Avaka, the same with, with uh, 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 Isaiah. This has nothing to do with prosperity, increase, and favor. Vision had nothing to do in this, these chapters with money. It all had to do with calling the people back to the Lord. That's my vision for this transitional season. It's bigger than brick and mortar. It's bigger than ROI, return on an investment. And all that's great, by the way. But I just believe God is tweaking and blessing and strengthening our structures and systems. We're preparing for a harvest. We got to get some old habits out of us, get some new habits in us. And it's a leap of faith. I want to show you that. I think I'm getting on Pastor Grant's last nerve. I called about five times a day. I said, you all right over there? Yeah, I'm all right. You hanging in there? Yeah, I'm hanging in there. What I'm trying to tell him is, I'm the one. <laughs> Trusting but trembling. Redmond, I think at least seven times a day, the vision carries a voice to me. You know what he keeps saying to me? You got to stay true to the process. I think I hear that seven times a day. You got to keep seeing the vision. And I know that's so rudiment and elementary to many of you all, but that's how, that's how I work. That's how I do. I could be changing light bulbs as I was today. And I just hear the voice of the vision saying, stay true to the process. I done heard more no's in the last uh, nine months from all type of so-called experts around the country. But every time someone says, I know it seems like we keep moving closer and closer. Trust the process. Oh, I got a sermon. I have a three-part sermon series. I can't wait to preach it. But sometimes you have to allow the vision to carry its voice. Several times a day, it'll keep speaking to you. It'll keep speaking to you. I don't have time tonight, but boy, let me encourage you to do this. Go home and look at Isaiah 38. Isaiah 38, 1 through, uh, 1 through 6. The word of the Lord comes to Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah. So Isaiah, go tell the king he getting ready to die. Thus saith the Lord, you shall die and not live. Therefore, get your house in order. How would you like the prophet to come to you and say, you know what the Lord told me to tell you, you're getting ready to die? Now, these days, you got a 50-50 chance. In those days, go ahead and get ready. <laughs> say goodbye to everybody you know. <laughs> Isaiah 38, 1 through 6. And the Bible says that, Hezek says that Hezekiah wept bitterly. 
I think I'd be weeping bitterly too if the Lord told me you're going to die. And the Bible says that he goes and he cries and he pleads before God. And the Bible says that the Lord speaks again to Isaiah. The prophet says, you know what? Why did you tell the king this? I have seen your tears and I've heard your prayers. I'm going to give you 15 more years to live. All of a sudden, 15 years seems like a long time. You know, I've read that scripture many, many times, but here's what I've never read, and that was verse 6. The Bible says this, and it blessed my heart. It blessed my heart. The Bible says this. And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. I've been reading that passage of scripture for years, but it never dawned upon me that the reason that God sustained Hezekiah's life was for, was for the purpose of ministry. It was for the purpose of ministry. When you lose your purpose for living, you can go ahead and start bear, digging the grave. When you lose your vision for being here, why you exist, why you're living, you might as well go ahead and get ready to die. Man, as long as there is a vision that is yet to come to pass, I believe God's going to extend our lives to do some great things. And I want to decree, decree and declare to every one of you tonight, you shall live, not die. God's going to bless you. He's going to prosper you. He's going to heal you. You're going to be so much better than you've ever been before. Because the voice carries a vision. And I believe that vision will speak. And it will bless you so. Heads about eyes are closed tonight. Father, tonight as we prepare ourselves to give, I thank you for the vision. Thank you for the voice of vision. You told Habakkuk that it shall speak. And thank you tonight that the vision speaks. I thank you tonight that in Isaiah, you said that it would declare the end at the beginning. So, Father, tonight I thank you for so many men and women who are at the beginning stages of their existence. And, God, would you show them how the end should look, can look, must look. And I pray, God, you give them such courage and conviction and confidence to go back to square one and be faithful over the few. Help them, God, along the way, according to their faith, be it unto them. I thank you tonight, God, that there is a divine revelation. There are direct responsibilities. And I thank you for determined results. I know, God, you want to bless your people so. And when the enemy comes and reminds us that our lives are going to end soon, may, like Hezekiah, we rejoice in the fact of knowing because of the sake of ministry, because of the sake of vision, our lives are extended, for your hand shall prosper. In the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody, let's say amen tonight.